Right, we're in lovely people. Welcome to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gardner. And before we start the show, let me tell you about a company that helps me keep the lights on. 33 Fuel produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products. We're talking chia seed energy gels, energy bars, protein bars, greens, powders. I use them on my bimbles, my trail runs. I use their products on my latest ultra marathon. So get involved. Really cool company, really cool products, and you can get 10% off your first order with Matt 10. Everything you need in the show notes, Bosch. Okay, today's guest is a lovely lady and sports nutritionist called Anita Bean. She specializes in sports and exercise nutrition. She's passionate about helping people improve their health and performance. And Anita was the nutrition consultant for Tom Kerridge's latest book, Lose Weight and Get Fit, and is the author of The Runner's Cookbook. So again, everything you need will be in the show notes. Basically, a little bit of a backstory. I like following Anita's recipes on Instagram. I reached out to her. She was more than happy to come on the show. Really, really sound. And we're going to cover her vegetarian meals in 30 minutes. That's her latest book. So I hope you enjoy it. I'm a fan. I'm sure she's going to give out some nutritional nuggets. And yeah, please let me introduce Anita. Anita, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So yes, it's really exciting to have you on and, and to connect. And I think um, you know, let's just let's just start with how you got into becoming a sports nutritionist. I've got young practitioners that listen to this show. I've got people who are trying to retrain in nutrition. I've got people that are interested in nutrition. So it'd be great to hear about how you got into things. Okay, well, I have always been really passionate about food, so that's where it all came from. It's my love of food. Um, so when I was growing up, um, quite a long time ago, but um, I was actually raised as a vegetarian, and um, so I suppose I've got my Hungarian parents to thank for that. And there weren't really many other vegetarians around, so we had to be really quite inventive. We did grow a lot of produce in our own garden, so when I got to um, certainly school age, my mum would let me loose in the kitchen and I could be really quite inventive and make um, lots of different meals and obviously I did home economics classes at school. So the challenge really was to make uh, food that tasted really good and was also vegetarian. So as I was at school, I was very interested in science subjects and more and more I was also into sport and so more and more I realised that what I ate had a big effect on how I performed and how I felt. Um, so when I was looking around for subjects to study at university, um, I was looking initially at food chemistry and science subjects, and then I discovered nutrition. So don't forget, this is actually quite a long time ago. So that although there are many nutrition courses available now, but you know we are talking about back in the 80s, there were literally just a handful of courses, three or four different nutrition courses and food science courses in the entire country. So it seemed like the perfect solution to me. It was, it was, it was the marriage between science, between food and cooking and nutrition. So I found that really appealing. And as I've already alluded to, I was really into sport and exercise. And at university, that interest 
increase so actually I was one of the first females ever I think to walk into a gym so back in the 80s it was really unusual for females to train with weights um, but that didn't phase me at all because I realized that training with weights actually was a fantastic way to to get gains really quickly and I, I wasn't so much interested in building muscle I suppose I just wanted to to feel better and look better. I suppose those are the two main reasons why, why people take up exercise in the first place. Um, so yeah, studying nutrition at the same time, um, I quickly became fascinated with the effect of food, nutrients um, on performance and energy levels. Um, and that's really where my research took me. So certainly by my final year, I was um, you know, studying, my, my research project was on the effect of different types of diets and actually we were looking at high carb versus low carb diets, this was back in the 80s, so this was really one of the first studies to, um, out there um, on yeah, the effects of those types of diets on anaerobic and aerobic performance. Um, so after university, I graduated with a degree in nutrition food science at University of Surrey. And um, then my, my first jobs actually were firstly in health promotion. So I worked for the National Health Service and then I worked for the National Dairy Council for four years. And I did have the opportunity, I was very, very lucky. I did have an opportunity during my time at the Dairy Council to work with some quite well-known and up-and-coming athletes. So you've probably heard of names like Chris Akabusi, Roger Black, Colin Jackson. So we used to tour schools and give talks to school kids. So I found it absolutely fascinating um, speaking to and writing um, literature. So well, I say literature, <laughs> I was actually writing uh, leaflets in those days we didn't have computers and online um, information so um, yeah I was really lucky to, to, to have the opportunity to work with good um, and up-and-coming track and field athletes and um, I actually set up my own consultancy in 1990 so I've actually been um, uh, freelance and, and um, working for lots of different organisations, actually lots of sports organisations and lots of publications since 1980, as well as lots of athletes from different sports. And I suppose my the first sport were, was bodybuilding, but I have moved away from that a little bit now. So although I still work within the fitness industry, but I am very much working with um, swimmers and with runners. Um, mostly nowadays. That's probably enough about me. I could probably fill in the bits in between, but I've given you a bit at the beginning and a little bit at the end. But there was uh, something like 25 or 30 years mm. in between. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So, you know, to sum, sum up for the listeners, you're, you know, passionate about your food from an early age, very much into cooking, experimenting, whole food based. And then obviously you're, you've got that grounding in science the research side of things but then that practical application working with organizations and then just translating um nutrition science to practice i think if we if we just um you know obviously i'm going to circle back to to your um sports nutrition side of things in a minute but it'd be interesting i don't think the listeners will know too much about the national dairy council and obviously 
you know dairy products now things are under the microscope the average person's you know looking at alternatives and things these days maybe just let the listeners know a little bit about the the dairy council i know you you might not work with them anymore but that's that that sounded like quite interesting stuff Well, they were actually, I mean, again, I'm going back, this this was the, the mid-80s. So there were actually very few companies, and food companies and organisations that employed nutritionists and dietitians. I could probably count them in one hand. But the Dairy Council was one organisation that could see the advantages of employing scientifically trained, qualified people to talk about the health benefits, nutritional benefits of their products. And that's what I did for four years. They actually employed two nutritionists. I think they, I believe they still do. Um, so, yeah, so I suppose our job really was to, to set the, the record straight. And the funny thing was that up to that point, dairy products were seen as something that was, that, that were really nutritious, uh, really good for you. We had school milk back, uh, well, up until, when was it, Margaret? It late 70s, early 80s. And, um, and the round about the mid 80s was a time when people really started to move away from milk because they perceived milk to be high in fat and something that could raise their risk of coronary heart disease and chronic conditions. These were the days when reports were coming out about um, you know, high fat diets being linked to, to heart disease. Mm. Uh, but of course now things have changed um, quite dramatically. Um, we've kind of gone full circle. So no longer are we promoting low fat diets and you know, skimmed milk and fat food products. We now know that things are are much more um, nuanced, much more complex, and um, yeah, we, we we now know that fat isn't such a well. Certain fats are, but you know, fat isn't a homogenous thing. But um, yeah, so yeah, I, I was really um, you know fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. I could work within the food industry, but really on more on a scientific level and pro- the provision of health information um so that was during the 1980s and then since the 1990s um again you know the, the nutrition climate has changed enormously over the last 30 years really we've kind of gone full circle on certain things like the fat story but also um yeah we've moved away from things like high carbs so in the world of sports nutrition it was once believed that sports people or people who exercise regularly needed to eat a high carbohydrate diet all the time but uh, we now know that um, that's not necessarily the best thing it's 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 fine for certain athletes but it really depends on the type of exercise and activity that you're doing the length which you're doing it the intensity you're doing it so the kind of um, protocol that we're working from now is to fuel for the work required. So we're not always prescribing high carb diets. There are situations where eating a lower carbohydrate diet is more beneficial for people doing exercise. So that's just um, one example, Matt, of how things have changed a lot um, over the last 30 years. Mm. Yeah, it's fascinating. And um you, you know you've nailed it on the head i think that term fuel for the work required and and some people use you know the term fuel for function it is it is interesting and then i think it gives people um you know a, a little bit more information to go off and then think about how they can start to change the total amount of food the type the timing um but you know i think that's that's a nice part for us to dovetail into your 
into your books and things so i'll obviously put links in the show notes to everything you've written but to give everyone a bit of a context you know you've done you've done a sports nutrition guide so i think you know we can refer people to that you've done a runner's cookbook a vegetarian athlete's cookbook and i think you know the reason why i wanted to get you on the show because I, I know you've got obviously the huge amount of background in in nutrition in translating research to practice but then i think because you're offering practical application around look here's how to make some quick and easy nutritious um, balanced meals once people start to get used to that then obviously they can change the composition of the meals and then obviously deliver that high carb moderate carb low carb whatever you want to call it so um you know that that's that's absolutely fantastic and um i think you know i'm looking at your book now you've got especially in part two you know part one of the the vegetarians 30 minute meals go into some of the things you've spoken about in detail earlier in in the episode i think then you know when you look through the sections you've got salads you've got soups um which which you could maybe see as being lighter options like you said on days where the output isn't as great but then you can bring in these 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 burgers these curries maybe let people know a little bit about that was that your your thinking behind this this book or um... okay so yeah the reason why i wrote this book i suppose it was on the back of the vegetarian athletes cookbook which came out three years ago um and i, I was i suppose inundated with um requests for, for for more recipes um and i was really surprised that it wasn't just vegetarians who were buying the book um it was you know i think most of the most of the readers are actually non-vegetarians but nowadays so you know the way we're eating is changing so many more people are interested in plant-based eating and just including more vegetarian and just moving gradually away from meat dishes. Um, I mean, we know the latest statistics that came out last week have shown that 39% of people have either actively reduced or cut out meat altogether in 2019. So people really are changing the way they eat and the way they cook. So. There are really no other vegetarian cookbooks out there that focus on fitness and performance, which is why I wrote The Vegetarian Athlete and and my latest one, the one that we're talking about, which is only less than 30 minutes. So I really wanted to help people to make um, meat-free meals that supported their fitness goals, whether they work out in the gym or jog or swim or play football or, or even just do yoga and Pilates. So I wanted to create recipes that not only taste amazing, but also provided maximum nutrition and, and the right combination of nutrients that, that fuel your body properly for exercise and you promote muscle recovery. So that was very much you know, the, the, the central aim of, of the book. Um, you know, and I, I've certainly seen more and more athletes in my practice turn away from meat and they're adopting plant-based diets, usually for health reasons, but also you know, very much so for ethical reasons, environmental reasons, um, but at the same time, they don't, they don't want to be spending hours in the kitchen or buying expensive ingredients. They'd rather be down the gym or out running. So that's why um, I developed the recipes, and they can all be prepared in 30 minutes or less. Um, because you know, so I'm a busy working mum, and that's the maximum time that I ever spend cooking in the kitchen. I don't expect everybody else to be spending hours in the kitchen. <laughs> 
now and i've got you know i've, I've got some of the pages already turned over and, and the book's dogged because i've been you know, hungrily oh, going through it so um i love the uh think the, the the first thing i'm going to try especially after this episode is your banana bread because um yeah that that kind of for me the 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 concept of portables you know snacks basically that you can take on the go you know and and doing some of these things like you said it's 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 not there to take over your life and cooking from scratch sure. can be quite daunting for some people but i think if you you know if you go ahead and look at this um people that are listening and things you know it's just about choosing maybe a few recipes from each section when you're thinking about main meals and and snacks and desserts and things and then just doing it and um you know seeing what works basically um and i think you know that's that's the key thing and that's i think why i wanted to get you on the show because um obviously you've got huge amounts of experience um consulting for like you said um quite it must be coming up to almost 30 years is it in nutrition yeah, that, anita that does make me sound quite old doesn't it so i think if you say that quietly nah. <laughs> experienced no but that yeah. i think that you know that <laughs> that's it i think you know you're you you've been you've you've been through quite a lot and and um you know you're you're very thorough and i think like you said the climate is shifting and you know especially in my practice i'm i do work with some people that that engage in in sports and things but mostly it's just um you know the average person trying to feel better live longer and i agree you know more fruits and vegetables and and um legumes nuts and seeds things like that for people are gonna only benefit them so if you can if you can pick and and choose recipes and build your nutrition toolbox um and then also you know make tasty plates of food you know that's it so um you know what goes into the process of you you know you've you've written is it five or six books you know what's the what's what's the process behind that um and and you know that maybe that's something to explore in in, in the next part uh, of, of our discussion yeah. with people did you mean the process of writing a book or yeah all of it because obviously you know you, <laughs> i can talk about both quite happily yeah um okay well i've i've i mean if you want to know the exact number i've actually written 28 books so it all started with a com- complete guide to sports nutrition wow that was published in 1993 and I've actually written eight, um, eight different editions, so I've been constantly updating the book and adding new material. In fact, I'm working on the ninth edition right now, so that will come out next year. Um, yeah, it takes a year between actually finishing writing a book and for it to be published, so you've got to allow 12 months for the production process. But anyway, that was my first book, 1993. That's because at the time there was absolutely nothing out there for athletes. So athletes, I mean, when I was working with, with the track and field athletes at the time, Chris Akabusi, I remember he used to just say, well, I don't really know what to eat, but to keep my energy levels up, I would just eat, you know, lots of sugar because that gives me, it gives me energy. I would eat sweets. Um, and then as I was working with, you know, these these were these were really fast guys I was working with, and they they really didn't have a clue what they should be eating. So I knew that there there was really a market there for um, you know proper proper sports nutrition information. So that's really what motivated me to write my first book. So I've written lots of sports nutrition books, food for fitness. I've written books for teenage athletes, you know, for young athletes. So I've got sports nutrition for young athletes, which came out a few years ago. I've written books sports nutrition for women. Um, I've even written like healthy eating books for, for children. Um, but anyway, I won't bore you with all the different books. You can easily look that up either on Amazon or on my on my own website. But what I wanted to do more, more recently with, with current books 
is to really translate the science into practice, make it really accessible to people. So I think these are the actual meals that you could be making on an everyday basis that will allow you to put all the science into practice and, and benefit that in terms of your health and in terms of your performance. So when I... Um, I, I think really, really hard about my readers and what they really want. I do a lot of read. Obviously, I'm talking to athletes all the time, and um, you know, I'm getting feedback all the time. So I'm listening really carefully to what my readers want. Um, and so, planning a book is probably the most important part, rather than actually writing it. So um, I do make quite a careful plan and watch out all the stuff. I would brainstorm all the stuff and put into it, break it down into chapters. Um, I, I generally like to start chapter, but I know other authors will just yeah, write chapters in, in different orders. So I, um, I always do the introduction first, and I, I like to sort of write the, the background bits, you know, the fundamentals first, and then I get more and more practical as the book goes on. So with this latest book, for example, you'll see in part one, it's really a guide to sports nutrition as well as vegetarian nutrition. So I put all the science there, but it's in really accessible language. There's lots of tips. There are lots of boxes in there. So I kind of, you know, what are the top six nutrients that you need to look out for if you are a meat-free athlete? Um, so, that, yeah, the things like protein, omega-3s, iron, um, well, that's not six at all. So, um, <laughs> but in my go through, there's the top nutrients that you need to look out for. Mm. And, and I also give people advice. You know, we'll, we'll break down some of the myths, like, you know, what are the biggest myths about vegetarian eating? And these are things like you can't get enough protein or you can't perform well on a vegetarian or a vegan diet. So mm. I look into you know, what, what's the research behind it and then show people this is what the research is actually saying. So those are the kind of things that I go through in the first part of the book. And then the all the recipes, Matt, well, these are recipes that I've been making for years and years. And these are recipes that I've been making for my family. I've got two daughters. They're grown up now, but they have been... Um, top athletes that were actually GB swimmers um, throughout their teenage years. So as a mum of teenage swimmers who are swimming 20 hours a week, so they were swimming twice a day, early in the morning and late at night, um, I was used to having to make meals really quickly, but highly nutritious meals. So these are the kind of, this is, these are the kind of meals that I've been making for a long time. Um, and I suppose I, I've changed the recipes over time and I've improved things. But it, it, they, they really are a result of, of yeah, the, the kind of, I say family meals, that sounds a bit good housekeeping, doesn't it? But these are, these are meals that I genuinely make for my own family, that I've made for my daughters. Um, I make for myself. I mean, actually, I did miss out quite a chunk, and that was actually, I'm a former British bodybuilding champion myself. So these are the kind of meals that I would be making when I was competing um, mm. several weeks ago actually so um, it's all yeah it's all based on a, I suppose a combination of science and my own practical experience as a mum of athletes and um, as a former athlete myself perfect yeah so um you know to, to let people know because obviously you know I've asked you to kind of 
go through so much information of course you're not going to be able to recall everything in your book so you've got you know great information on iron vitamin b12 omega-3 calcium iodine zinc and then yes, um yeah like you, you know there's a there's a nice section on hydration and things and then um some of the some of the key things in in terms of sports nutrition you know caffeine vitamin d whey protein beetroot juice and i think the good thing is you offer information out and um like you said it's around we know a lot more now we have these tools um do, do we have to use them no but you know here's something to think about and then also um when when you go into some of the macronutrients and side of things like you said it's it's trying to bust myths it's looking at the environmental perspective as well um and then it's looking at different forms of foods you know liquid nutrition versus solid um and, and you've even got some of the stuff i know we can't don't have time to go down that rabbit hole maybe i can get you back on in the future but some of the time restricted eating because um you know that again is building in popularity but like you said when you've got very active individuals um you know they they, they need to meet energy needs so um yeah i think what i'm saying is lovely people it's uh it's 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 a really good practical guide and i think um you know i was i had a very similar childhood to yourself growing up cooking experimenting with my mum so i just kind of wanted to get you on to to just uh, talk to people about you know learning how to make some simple meals and yes there's a lot of information out there um but you know it's it's tailoring it and um, if you're an active person it's being aware of some of these things and and how to turn um you know the science into practice and actually what goes on the plate so no thanks so much for your time anita and um yeah i'll, I'll i get i get listener feedback and things and you know if 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 you'd love to come back on the show we could maybe dive into another area um at another time and, and and talk a bit more in detail but i think it's just been great for for me to introduce you to the listeners and um you know 28 books is incredible i should have done a bit more due diligence there's me thinking you'd only written you know half a dozen or so which is still incredible so um yeah before we go maybe just let people know where they can uh find out about you or follow you um and i'll leave everything else in the show notes as well Sure, well, I'm on social media. I'm on Instagram as Anita Bean1. Bean I'm on Twitter as Anita Bean. And I have a website, anitabean.co.uk, with lots of free information articles. Um, and and you know, my, my, my blog posts are on there as well. So, um, yeah, it, and, and of course, people can, can easily contact me through all of those channels and i'm always happy to answer questions that people have got mm, great and you know that's that's how i managed to get in contact with you as well you're really you know helpful and and um welcoming on instagram so you know lovely people uh when when you when you're following people in nutrition science things like that you don't hesitate to reach out and um i'll put everything you need in the show notes thanks again for listening and have a great week